Welcome to Psychocinematic, the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. Before we start, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. We respect all elders and ancestors and any First Nations people listening here today. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you for having me. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? I've got your bio here, but if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Eric Garcia. I am a journalist based in Washington, D.C. I am currently the senior Washington correspondent and bureau chief for The Independent. I'm also a columnist for MSNBC. Uh, I wrote a book that came out last year called We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation. That is about, you know, just that, looking at what would the society look like if we decided to stop curing autistic people and instead help them live more fulfilling lives. I've also worked at the Washington Post, The Hill, uh, Roll Call, National Journal, and Market Watch. I've also written for places like The New Republic, Salon, The Daily Beast, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. And as any of our podcast listeners can attest to, you're probably the most qualified and high profile and well-written guest we've had on this show. And you should probably do your own podcast at this point because... Oh God, no, I'm way too lazy to do that. (laughs) And I actually discovered you from your guests on the podcasts You Are Good and You're Wrong About. Yeah. I'm just absolutely stoked that you've chosen to talk to me today because they're my favorite podcasts pretty much ever. And I'm really excited to read your book. I haven't got my hands on it yet. I haven't seen it in the shops here, but I know it is available online. So I will get my hands on that. We're working on that. Uh, I would like to have it come out, you know, as soon as possible. But, you know, logistics, we got a supply chain crisis. So, you know. (laughs) Today we are are covering Atypical, which I've been wanting to cover for ages. So I'm stoked that we'll be talking through it with you today. We've actually both covered Rain Man. <laughs> I've, we've covered yeah, it on we, our podcast. Yeah, we have <laughs> at great length. I want to introduce this one because it was sort of like we've come a long way since Rain Man, but have we actually yeah. come far enough? Yeah, like there are a lot of parallels between Rain Man and Atypical from like the sibling dynamic, the younger sibling feeling kind of ignored by the overbearing parents, you know, for the attention of the autistic kid uh the kind of way that uh the, the kind of dynamic that uh autistic people are are, are unable to connect with the, with the world around them or that they're too gullible or that they are uh you, you know too myopic or that they're they they, they, they can't understand the world around them all, all, all of those things are, are still you know they're they're kind of common strains in Rain Man and they're also in the same DNA I think of Atypical and I think that's why the show kind of annoyed me when I first saw when I when I watched the first season I should say I had ACL surgery this week so like I've been in bed this whole week so to get ready for this podcast I've been binge watching and rewatching Atypical which there are better things that I could have been <laughs> I'm so sorry watching, that you've but... spent your time doing that when you could be binging so many other things right now <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, I mean, I got some oxy- oxycons, so that makes it a little more bearable. That's true. So, 
I felt like it was something that I'd already seen. I felt like it was... Uh, I, I felt like it was just kind of a lot of classically worn tropes. And of course, like, you could tell that there was no autistic input yeah. in the show. Like, it was a lot of guesswork. You know, because I, I talked about this in, 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 you know, Steve Silverman's book, Neurotribes, which I'm sure you've read. Yes. Or, or, you know, and then... Uh, and then also, like, he talks about it in his book. I touch on it a little bit in my book, but that's largely because I cited his book. But, like, there were at least, you know, Raymond Babbitt was based off of real people. He was based off of, uh, I think his name is Joe Sullivan and Peter Guthrie. They were based off two real autistic people. The problem was, of course, at the end of the movie, Raymond Babbitt goes to the back to the institution. And, you know, Peter Guthrie and Joe Sullivan... They lived, you know, in their, uh, they lived with their families. But at the same time, they were based off of real people. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, like, did their, did their research. You can tell that this was not, that this was, it was kind of second or third hand knowledge of autism. Yeah, yeah. And it just never, and, and, and it didn't. It just didn't stick. And it, I think that there was a big gap in, you know, you saw there was a big gap in how people who weren't autistic felt about atypical versus people who were autistic. And I think that disconnect never really got fixed. Now, to, to their credit, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about this. They did try to get better. Yeah. But I think that you can't. It's impossible to retcon the first season. Yeah, and like, maybe they should have. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should have, but like, it's impossible to unring that bell. Yeah, it's already been rung. And you can't really graft things onto it in a way that will make it cohesive. Because later on, they do have some autistic characters. They do add some bits of neurodivergence to other characters that were already existing and we'll go into that but at this point it comes off almost as an afterthought yeah i completely agree yeah and that was my real that that was what made it really hard for me to get into it and, and i'll say this like and, and i sam is actually the least interesting character on the show <laughs> yeah i agree and that tell, that says a lot as well yeah like it's it's he's not by the end of the show, he's almost in the background. Yeah. Is the thing that I've noticed. Yeah. He's not real he doesn't really exist to move the story forward, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like every everyone else around him is moving the story forward. I mean, obviously yeah. pretty major developments happen throughout the, the series, but He's not the star attraction. Because the uh, I should say the other parts of the story that don't surround Sam are incredibly interesting. Yeah, his sister is a fa- has a fascinating character. I love or her. His you probably noticed. Real- I love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His his parents have a really interesting character. Or yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, there there are really interesting facets to all these people, but Sam's character arc almost doesn't. We get the big finale with him going, and spoiler alert, he goes to Antarctica. But we don't see him develop as a person, you know, and I think that's what... Yeah, it's more like yeah. he just sort of goes through life with these new stages of life and milestones, but, like, he's still the same person. That's why this, the series didn't really resonate, I think, is that Sam became almost secondary to a lot of really interesting strains and stories about the show. Yeah, I completely agree with that way of looking at it. And when I um, was, you know, researching for this, I just 
automatically assume that Rabia Rashid had some experience with autism. And she does say that she's got some someone in her life that has autism. But no, she's just a TV writer. She she did How I Met Your Mother and The Goldbergs and Will and Grace. And this was just her next project that she was like, hey, let's try this. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of one of the, it was kind of one of those things that just like, oh, this is another thing that we need to do, you know. And, and, that, and that's an interesting thing because like, I, I don't necessarily... I don't want to shit talk entertainment. Like, cause like entertainment, your job, you know, if you're in the entertainment industry, your job is to explore different parts of facets of life and different people. Like, I don't, I don't want to, but like at the same time, I feel like, especially with the, with such a misunderstood condition, like autism, you need to do a lot of work, a lot of legwork to get it right. Especially if you're going to make it like a specific story about this boy with autism. A specific story about autism. Like, so, I mean, in the book, I, I in my book I talked about, I interviewed Erica Milsom, who did, I don't know if you've seen that Pixar short, Loop, which is about an autistic. No, I came across it when I was reading, but no, I haven't seen it yet. You should watch it. Cause like Erica, from what I understand, as far as I know, is, a, is, is, is neurotypical. She knew some autistic people in her life, but what she did is she did, she did legitimate work. She made sure that autistic people were included. Madison Bandy, who is the character in the show, uh, I mean, who, who plays the voice actress who's, a, who's the autistic character in the show, she herself is autistic. So she consulted with the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. So like there is a way, I think, for neurotypicals to explore autism. I don't want to say like, oh, neurotypicals can't explore autism. That's, you, you, you know, I think that it's, I think that it could be good to step out of your comfort zone. I think it would be good to explore different communities outside of your own. Uh, Especially if you've got like some star power and some. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the star power. Platform in which you can do that. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that you have that ability. If you have star power and if you're like, and if you're like Rabia, you know, and you have the, you've written for Will and Grace and How I Met Your Mother and like these shows that a lot of people love. Like my sister and I used to love watching Will and Grace and Will and Grace is, is fantastic. I'm thinking about this because it made people comfortable with gay people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic and it's an amazing show because uh, the characters in them are complex and they're interesting and they have different... And, and from what I understand, like Eric McCormick, who's who plays a gay man in the show, as far as I know, he's heterosexual, but Sean Hayes is gay. But like, so 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 again, it's not even a matter of is this person heterosexual playing a, playing a gay person. It's like, okay, how much work did you do? How much did you do to explore them? And how much room do you give these characters to grow and change and do all the things that other human characters are allowed to do you know atypical focuses on a family living in connecticut i had to look up where they live because i couldn't figure it out yeah like it's kind of like some nondescript new england suburb like yeah um sam is a central character played by kia gilchrist who's on the autism spectrum his family consists of mum, Elsa, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, dad, Doug, played by Michael Rappaport, and daughter, Casey, played by Bridget Lundy Payne, a non-binary queer actor who is my favorite person on the show. <laughs> Fantastic. I, 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 love, I love Casey so much. Me too. I, want to, I just want to show about Casey. <laughs> yeah. If there could be a spinoff about Casey, like I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> totally. Elsa is a very overprotective, doting mother who has put her life into supporting Sam. Doug is an emergency medical technician, EMT, who is more of the stoic type of dad, struggling to connect with Sam's diagnosis. 
Elsa and Doug Trevay's of tricky marriage, both having affairs and periods of separation throughout the series, but they come together at the end. They plan a first responders course for people with autism and Elsa starts a hairdressing business for kids with autism, which isn't really explored in the season, last couple of seasons, but anyway. Casey is a loving and protective younger sister, but has a tricky relationship with her mum who always puts Sam first. She loves running and is a star in track, which leads her to getting a scholarship at a private school. She also comes to realise she's bisexual by the end of the show when she starts a relationship with Evan, who much later admits to having dyslexia to just add a little bit of neurodiversity to the mix, but that doesn't really go anywhere, Um, but breaks up with him to date Izzy, a fellow runner and a student at the private school. The pressure on her to run leads to her developing some major anxiety and eventually leave the private school to go back to her usual school and pursue running less intensely. And just a little side note, I kind of like that exploration of anxiety. That was one thing I really liked in the latest season. But the main arc, of course, is about Sam, who starts off the show deciding he wants to have a relationship. He's encouraged by his womanizing, overconfident, slacker colleague and schoolmate Zahid and his therapist Julia. After some failed dates, he realizes he's crushing on his therapist, which he pursues by breaking into her house and basically being inappropriate, which makes me sigh. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk about that because I have a lot of feelings about that, 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 that part. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about that part. Ugh. Meanwhile, his classmate Paige is also crushing on him. They start a relationship with many ups and downs throughout the series. Paige encourages the school to have a silent dance for the winter formal. In season two, Sam starts planning for college and joins a support group for people with autism Sam's age. He also deals with his parents' separation and family upheaval. He's no longer seeing Julia, his therapist, however calls her every week. She's pregnant and also sort of ends up befriending Elsa. He gets accepted to college at Denton by writing an essay about autism. In season three, Sam starts college and he and Paige juggle a long-distance relationship. Sam makes friends with Abby, who bond over art and starts to build up his grades. Paige, however, drops out, having not found her feet in college. Zahid develops a toxic relationship with Gretchen, a plotline I have problems with, but I don't have time to go into that as well. Yeah, I have so many problems with that that plotline, yeah. And Sam's dislike for her stops them being friends for a while. But they make up, and in season four, they're living together in an extremely fancy loft, which takes Sam a lot of adjustment. Zahir finds out he has testicular cancer, which is luckily easily treated with surgery, and he becomes a nicer person after losing a testicle, which I assume is supposed to be a, a funny thing. He decides he wants to go to Antarctica, and the last season is a journey of Sam preparing for this trip. While a college trip there falls through, Sam decides he can pay for his own trip, and Doug decides he will finally take a holiday and go with Sam. He and Paige decide to put their relationship on a pause, and Paige gets into Habitat in Humanity, and that's the end of the whole show. Uh, yeah, so like, I mean, I, I I breezed through the final season, so I should say like, it, you know, I didn't really. I took some notes, but not a lot of notes. I, you know, I think the. But it, but it, but but yeah, you you got it, you got you got through it. But like, I mean, you you got the 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 gist of it, the most important parts of it. I think that like you you know, I I mean, honestly, like one of the things that I that I've said, like probably the character who I have the most, I like the most, and frustrates me the most is Zahid. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Aside from Casey, who I think is the the most interesting character, Zahid can simultaneously, in, in, in some ways, I feel like a lot of autistic people need a Zahid and he talks about how he needs a Zahid I feel like I had that like I had my roommate when I first moved to Washington DC when I was a White House intern I had my friend Greg who was my roommate 
And Greg was kind of the opposite for me. He was this tall, handsome, white Irish Catholic dude from Buffalo. And he was just one of those guys who say like, hey, Eric, do you want to come to happy hour with me? Or do you want to come and uh, come to a party with me? And like, he was like, do you, and he would like teach me how to talk to women. And in exchange, because like, he didn't know much about politics. And of course, we were White House interns. Like, I kind of taught him a lot about like, okay, we were interested in the Obama administration. So we're like, okay, that's the Secretary of Defense, or that's kind of, the, you know, so we kind of, so like, taught each other. yeah, we, we, like, in some ways, like, I, I, I think, because, like, we had another roommate, Travis, who was from Wisconsin, we, it would have been a great sitcom, you know, all three of us were White House <laughs> interns, you know, you know, we all need a Zahid, I think, even though I think Zahid kind of leads Sam down some bad paths sometimes, if Sam has trouble with social interactions, Zahid thrives off of social interaction almost to a fault almost like he needs to be the center of attention he needs to be the if you remember there's that scene in the third season where they go to an art party yes uh and he's kind of this is where he meets gretchen where he kind of is on more because not everybody's like hey you know at 110 percent so but like i, I have to say like i, fa- I found zahid um yeah like a fun character i thought he was a problematic ca- character in the way he's a womanizer to be sure you know yeah just the, the storyline with gretchen and he's you know he's a bit of a dick but i can totally see that as well and sort of helping sam on on a maybe not the best like way, but develop some of those that confidence around interacting with others and, and women. He and stuff. definitely loves Sam, and I think that that's you know the, the the kind of the thing that you see is that his uh, Sam and Paige's relationship is kind of frustrating. His relationship with Casey and his relationship with Zahid, I think, are the best relationships on the show. Yeah, um, yeah and, I agree. And they're definitely the most intimate and the most caring, and they show the most emotion and the most heart. Uh, are the relationships with Case, him and Casey, and his relationship with uh, his relationship with, with Zahid. You can tell he really cares about him. He really loves Zahid. And you can tell Zahid really loves Sam. And know? I think with Zahid, he like accepts Sam like fully and doesn't try to really change anything about him. He's just like, you know, you want some pointers on this? I'll I'll help you with. He's things. just a bad influence, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference between being like trying to change him and being a bad influence and like he <laughs> bless his heart he may be a bad influence but he does love sam and i can't fault him for that there was lots of interviews with robia rashid who created atypical and she sort of explained that to vulture um that she pulled inspiration from the fact that more and more people are being diagnosed with autism and she was intrigued by how young people are navigating the world with a diagnosis that can be overwhelming and she thought it was a cool way to tell a dating story like you know being someone on the spectrum and wanting independence um but she said that with an autistic teenage boy she had to do a lot of real learning and listening to people and it's a voice that she had to learn and once she started diving into this world this voice came naturally she would just write and write and the words came out what do you think about that that, eric i don't want people to feel like they can't touch autism yeah uh, yeah in fact i think that as i said before you know if you are someone who has a lot of star power like romeo seems like she does as, as 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 a writer that can be very beneficial the fact that Michael Bradford and the fact that Jennifer Jason Leigh were on the show was like that gave the star power. So I don't. So, but I think that what you need to do is that you need to have some embedded experience. So, like when, for example, one of my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time is The Wire, and David and David Simon, who created the show, is a white dude. But it's obviously a show 
as a lot of people of color, was Baltimore. The difference is David Simon was a journalist covering Baltimore for a long time and covered the drug trade. So he at least had some baseline understanding of this is what the drug trade is. This is what this is what life for black people in West Baltimore was. And he cast black people from West Baltimore, you know, uh, or, or he cast black people from you know, black Americans, you know. Uh, so that acknowledgement that this is now your world. And I think that that that, you know, where she says, like, you know, there's a lot of people who are getting diagnosed with autism. And I appreciate that she didn't say it's this newfangled thing, you know, because I think a lot of people say that, think that like, oh my God, there's this, you know, increase in autism diagnosis. Just, That's not the case. It's just Just that read the diagnosis- your tribes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just read your tribes. Diagnostic criteria got better. And in America, uh, I'll, I'll, this is my little tangent, is that in America, there were two laws that really made diagnosis a little bit better. There was the Americans with Disabilities Act and there was the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And the, also known as IDEA. And the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act is really important because what it said was that it classified autism as a disability instead of like a mental illness or something like that. So it meant that schools had to report to the federal government how many autistic children they were serving. So the diagnostic criteria that Steve's book goes into, and I should just tell people to read his book, Coupled with the uh, with the fact that laws just changed, that meant that you had to report more people. Just meant that there were just meant that that was in 1990. So now a lot of people are getting diagnosed in the 1990s and the 2000s, and just now, you know, they're going like Sam is part of that cohort. Like like Sam age wise is part of that cohort that first got the diagnosis or grew up with that diagnosis and that it wasn't this kind of weird why or, or, or what is this thing? So that makes sense. But I think that she, when she says that she did a lot of listening, my answer is, my, my question to is to whom? You know? <laughs> Who know did she too. listen to? And Because like, again, she's allowed to, as an artist, she's allowed to explore uh, to explore other cultures and that can be great you know uh you know at the same time but like who was she listening to what was the intellectual grounding in the show and because then because you know of course when you get good at something like if you learn to play an instrument then you can just be natural and you know you can improvise and you can riff and you know solo and all that uh but when you develop that voice and it's rooted in not autistic voices then you can just write and write and write and write and write. But is it are you is it rooted in the the the, the actual world that you're covering? In the truth. Yeah. Is it rooted in the truth? Because like fiction is a way of telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it always has been. Fiction is a way of exploring the truth in a way that nonfiction can't. Uh, and, and I worried that, and I think also the I. I the fact that she wanted to make a dating show yeah. or that that was kind of from the outset, I think that kind of concerns me because again, Will and Grace is great because the show, what it shows what gay life is beyond just dating. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's right. I think it's a fan. I think it's a brilliant show because of that. And I wonder if season one in atypical is, I, I think it's the worst season. Yeah, it is the worst season. Everyone would probably agree. It's also very boxed in and that's the narrative and then it sort of explores 
And then she, that's kind of all the depth she has for his character, I feel. Yeah, that's like, that's like, that's, it's very surface level. Because I know that the, the, I mean, the central part, the central dilemma in, in the first season is that he's crushing on his therapist. Um, and, you know, but Paige is the one who likes him and he's kind of in this dilemma. The, the, the real thing, the real trouble is that there's never really, and this is, this, this is a, this is a test of it. Like, there's nothing believable into why he would like Paige. And there's no reason for people to think that, oh, Paige would be a suitable partner for him because she's kind of condescending toward him. She's not very nice and she's extremely annoying. <laughs> she's, Paige gets on my nerves in ways that, uh, that, that that we could go into later. They change her character a little bit, but again, like she never stops being insufferable. Yeah, yeah. But like, but like, there's never this real. You have to be willing to suspend your disbelief when you're watching any kind of fiction or any kind of. There's never really any like, okay, I believe that these two could be a couple one day. I, I believe that these two could be. The 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 the, the Sam and Paige relationship is just not believable in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's kind of doesn't really develop throughout the season like i find it it doesn't honestly in the season four i was like are they still together because it seems yeah no i think one of the reasons why i don't like it is because we do see that sam can show affection for people we do we do see that he eventually shows affection and emotion with his dad like it takes like hell to, to, to eventually go and you see that he does in his own way he, in his own way, he shows that he cares about Casey. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite things is that, like, when it comes out that she's bisexual, yeah. uh, or when, when she starts dating Izzy, he's just like, oh, it's like these gay penguins I know. That's a really, um, that's a really weirdly sweet moment. Yeah. Because um, he's just like, he's just like, it's just like, it doesn't seem weird to him, you know? And it's like, okay, my sister likes girls. And, you know, sometimes... Gay penguins can raise chicks better than, you know, but like you never see, you know, he obviously gives that speech for Paige and he says that he loves her, but like you don't see him like, you know, you know, going out of his way. He doesn't really feel invested in the relationship. It seems like, whereas like, you know, the, the final few episodes of the third season, it's him trying to win Zahid back. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. To the and as a credit to the writers, they actually make you care about Sam and Zahid's relationship. Yeah, you know, they make you you, you know as much as Rabia says that she wants a, a love story or a dating story about autism, the friendship arcs in Atypical are far better. Definitely, and the and the the family relationship. The family relationships are great, but they never really teased out how toxic autism i've i've never been a fan of autism moms (laughs) and and we we all we all we we talk a lot about how autism moms are bad for autistic people but i i don't think but atypical does touch on this but they never really go there they never are afraid to completely put their dive into the water about how autism mom culture is bad for parents of autistic people too can you tell me a bit more about when you say autism mums what you mean by that just for our yeah ways? so 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 yeah so uh, you know there's that parent support group in, in the show that 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 she's in but autism moms i i can't say i don't know if this is a thing in australia but like in america it's become a real thing where like there's the autism mommy warrior there's the mom who like i'm an autism mom that becomes almost you know there were a lot of mommy bloggers mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the 2000s it's it's there's still some mommy bloggers today but they're you know i think that they've kind of 
seated control but like i think a real reason why mommy warriors why the autism mommy warrior really took off in the 90s into the 2000s especially is that for the longest time in the beginning um and again check neuro tribes hashtag check steve um Steve's a friend. I love him. Uh, like, like I adore him so much. But like, you know, so just read his book. But like, you know, for the longest time in uh, public research, people blamed moms on loving moms mm-hmm. for, for, yes, for yes. causing autism. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I feel like autism mommy wars, that was a way of taking back. It wasn't until the 1970s that that was completely, 1960s and 70s, that was debunked. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from like the 1930s and 40s to like the 60s. So that takes, you know... That did a lot of damage. Yeah, the refrigerator. So mom I tried. feel like the, re- the refrigerator mom thing. Yeah, the, you know Bruno Bettelheim and Leo Connor, and like there was a you know, and I talk about this in your wrong about, but like there's actually like a there's an autistic girl in this movie with Elvis and Mary Tyler Moore, and like El like Mary Tyler Moore is a nun. And like she says, I think this child might be autistic. And then like Elvis says something like, oh, you know, she's shut off from the world emotionally. You know, this is like when Elvis was doing a lot of movies. Like it's called Change of Habit. Uh, I need to actually go back and watch that. Because like who wouldn't love a movie with Elvis as a doctor and Mary Tyler Moore as a nun? Um, (laughs) uh, I just love that the fact that that exists and then just out of nowhere there's autism in it. but to, to, to that point, um, you, you know, so I feel like Autism Mommy Warriors, that was a way of kind of taking back the narrative of like, okay, kind of screw you to the doctors and to the researchers who blamed us for decades. We're actually the ones who can, who know what's best for our kids. Mm-hmm. And we know what, and we know what we need to do. And we're going to fight like hell to fight for our kids. And to fix our kids. A lot of it was rooted in fixing the kids. Yes, yes, exactly. And I see where that comes from too, because it's such a male-dominated field. And of course, you know, the the woman is always the defective. So having to fight back on that would be a real pertinent thing to to fight for their kids. Just the same way, but in a lot of ways, they fall into the same pitfalls that the researchers did, which is that they see themselves as the authorities rather than autistic people. Really, I feel like the best parents are the ones who listen to autistic people. But like, but but one of the things that so like the support group, they go they kind of touch into like how snitty and catty the group is and how they compare each other. There's that like really one like kind of kooky, crunchy mom who says there was like a ghost in the house or something like that in that one in that one episode who like is kind of like the er autism mom who thinks that she's the best and everything. So like I, I wish that there had been more of a critique about how parent culture isn't just bad for autistic people. It's bad for parents because you get into this pissing contest. They touch on it a little bit. I just wish that they had done a little bit more about it because I feel like that would have been a really good explanation. Because again, like, like even though parents are not the center of autism culture, they still deserve, you know, compassion, and they still still deserve all the they still deserve all the good things. I wish that they had critiqued parent culture a little bit more and how it's bad for autistic for parents of autistic. That would have helped, and I wonder if the reason why it wasn't critiqued enough is because the because in season one they had 
Michelle Dean, who was an autism consultant who herself does not have autism, but she's very pro-inclusion and anti-stereotyping and is assistant of special education at California State University. And then in season two, they employed Elaine Hall, who is a parent of an autistic child and a huge inclusion advocate and has a very pretty website where she's just looking up, looking happy and <laughs> and it that always makes me feel a bit cringe and so I wonder if if she'd actually employed some consultants more with autism rather than parents or people that work with autism not that they can't be valuable but maybe that's where that culture wasn't really examined quite as much in this because that were the people involved <laughs> Yeah, like I say that one of the reasons why my mom did so great and like why she didn't get into all that was that there wasn't really an autism parent culture when I was growing up, you know, uh, like, and I think that like, I mean, not to say that she didn't communicate with other parents or that they didn't, you know. And there's good things about work parent together. support as well, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And parent support can be a really good thing. But like, I think that one of the things that, but like, I don't think there, there wasn't like this mommy culture that there is today. Mm, mm. And I think that I think that helped a lot that my mom didn't fall under these pitfalls of like crucifying herself because like you do you, you do really kind of wind up flagellating yourself and thinking oh, I'm not as good as this mom you know or I'm not as good as that mom you know you, you know or my kid isn't developing as well as the other kid is so like you feel like you're not as good of a parent like it's not it's not a healthy culture for the parent or the kid so like I wish that that for the sake of the parents a lot of people come off they think wind up thinking I'm anti-parent I'm not anti-parent <laughs> you know like I, I think that a lot of this the 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 Culture around autism also is bad for parents of autistic kids as well. So. And I think I'm always a little bit wary when I hear about an organization or, you know, a, a charity designed at people with autism run by mums of autism because it yeah, tends to yeah. have that, like, autism speaks is very much let's fix autism. Um, yeah, even though they've gotten rid of the cure language, they still have a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, it's not, that, that's kind of, it was kind of grafted on after. But, but yeah, like I wish they critiqued it because they do. Because like one of the things I didn't like is that they almost kind of imply that Elsa has an affair because of all the stuff she's dealing with with Sam. Yeah, that's and I really so didn't like helpful. that. Yeah, a, a it's bad for autistic people. B it's really kind of a slap in the face for parents who don't cheat on their spouses. I know. You know? And I feel like we're sort of supposed to see Elsa as like the stand-up mom who like you know, the the board with all the different post-its and appointments and she's got yeah. everything sorted for Sam. She's such a big um, support person for him. But also she's very deeply flawed as well. And she, She's banging the bartender, as, as Casey would say. <laughs> Which is just... Oh. I love that. I love that scene where, like, Casey just writes that stop banging the bartender. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just such a... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, back to Robia. Yeah, like also the fact that she said the voice came naturally for her, like as you were saying before, you know, who's it natural for? Who's it natural for and why do you find it natural? It's like I think one of the things to recognize is that when you're exploring these different cultures, it's kind of like learning a different language. That, uh, you you know, I love Anthony Bourdain and one of the things I love about Anthony Bourdain is he recognized that like, look, I'm an American in Vietnam or I'm an American in, you know, wherever the hell he was in Africa or Iran or, you, you know, uh, and that and that made Anthony Bourdain fantastic. 
but but so I think that Robbie, by the fact that she felt like it was a natural language, I think might have led her to assume a lot of things. And she probably maybe should have run past that language to someone with autism who could have been like, mm, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I think it. it any, you know, anytime you get too sure of yourself is probably the moment that you should probably check. And this isn't just for neurotypicals, yeah. like anybody. Like anytime you get too sure of yourself, you need to make sure that like, you know, okay, why do I think this? Why am I so sure? Why am I so confident in myself? Sometimes imposter syndrome is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I just got a few things that I found out about when she was casting the first season um, and Kia Gilchrist, as we said, does not have autism and she sort of did end up casting a supporting actor in the first se- season who I completely forgot was even in there. I think he's on yes, a couple of episodes, Anthony Jacques. Yeah. So he was in there and that was the only non-neurotypical actor. Um, but she said that she, she actually did audition people with autism and just found that Kid Gilchrist was the, the right fit. Which again makes me wonder like what was she was she already had a preconceived notion for? in her head. Yeah. And then she didn't change and adjust based on what she saw. Exactly. Wouldn't that have been a better option and more sustainable? Because I feel yeah. like he's a very tick box. He's very, very check the box. Like he was you could tell he's an actor trying to be autistic. And checking all the boxes. And, and, and again, this isn't – I'm not going to completely even knock Kira Gilchrist. Uh, it, it's more the fact that Rabia had this idea in her head and she didn't adjust to the realities of it. Like, you, you, you know, like I think that if you were to – one of the things I, I think about it as a journalist is that a lot of times I might have an idea in my head. But like the more people I talk to, then they're like, no, this is the way – Sometimes you just got to change and sometimes you just got to be like, okay, this is, you know, this is, this isn't what's going on. This isn't the truth. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you have to throw things out, you know, like, especially if you're retarded, but you have to go with what the truth is. Uh, And it seems like that was very much, that very much wasn't what that wasn't followed. And what's interesting is that like, I don't think that you saw Anthony Jocks anymore after the first season. No, where like did he a, go? He was the great yeah, actor. <laughs> you, you know, like, but, but, but that's, you know, and it shows that, like, I think maybe they realized, like, either A, they didn't think that he was interesting enough or autistic enough, which is weird enough, or they just realized, oh, we kind of fucked up. And, you know, you know so we probably shouldn't, you know, it was kind of almost a reminder that. Maybe, you know, yeah. They, that that we screwed up because because they, they eventually did catch cast autistic characters you know uh, autistic yeah. actors but 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 the the, the the fact that he that Kira Gilchrist fit what Rabia wanted more than autistic actors says more about Rabia than it does about autism. And when she did come across Anthony, who you know, auditioned, she actually loved him so much that she wrote a role for him, which is how he ended up in the show. So that doesn't which is good, you know that. Like, Maybe yeah, like adjust the character you had in your head. If you adjust the character you had, yeah, exactly. So like adjust what you adjust your expectations and adjust the fact that you know not everything is gonna fit and you're gonna fit in your head. You know, of course the 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 
worst example of that is Sia, but you know, we, <laughs> we can talk about that, that later. In a different podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> or we don't have to talk about it at all. I just gotta, I just gotta say. So, like, what was fun, what happened is, I don't know if you saw. I got into a whole Twitter fight with Kathy Griffin about this about oh, Sia. Oh no, and, I didn't. But Sia like, because oh she's friends God. with Sia. But like, what's funny is like, literally the day that that happened, my mom called me and she's like, "Have you heard about this terrible movie called Music by Sia?" And she's like, and I was just like, "Have I heard of that?" <laughs> This, you know? <laughs> could write a book about it <laughs> i could write a whole book about it come on because uh, my mom god bless her she thought it was trash too but you know but 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 i mean it's rooted in the scene you know look we can dunk on sia all we want but the fact is that there was nobody who told her no yeah yeah and in the same way i'm not gonna say rabia is as malicious as, as sia no but it's rooted in the same thing, the, the same idea of Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry, that the entertainment industry clearly has an idea about what autism yeah, is. Exactly. And they're not going to adjust accordingly. Well, yeah. <laughs> Most people won't. Um, and she said about Kia that, like, he plays the role really subtly and beautifully, and when he shifts into it, it's kind of startling. Does he? Totally natural. I, I mean, I disagree. But I also feel like it's like playing a costume, putting on a costume too. Like yeah, it feels very much. It feels very much. He shifts into it. It feels like he dials up. You know, I got an amplifier next to me. It feels like he dials up certain parts and he lowers some certain parts. It's kind of like yeah, a sound system. It's a formula. And. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that there aren't some similarities. It doesn't mean, not to say that there aren't some, you know, that there aren't some parts of myself that I that I saw in him. But it's just like it feels like there was overly accentuated or overly yeah. or, or some things were like there were things that like should have been touched on, but weren't. You know, it's so like the the, the, yeah. the episode where Zahid and the season four opening was Zahid and Sam move in and he's you know has all these rules like it would have been nice to see that like okay this is just a sensory thing you know or this is an executive mm -hmm. functioning thing like you know this is something that like he needs for sensor for a sensory environment that like or like yeah you know that 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 that's that those those are the problems so like but they didn't but i feel like she sort of covers that by like he has headphones okay we've ticked off yeah sensory. we've done that yeah <laughs> we've done things. that yeah like yeah. he has the headphones okay that that because that fixes everything right yeah Done, sort of. Yeah. So uh, again, like there were so many. The thing that I kept on thinking whenever I went, especially when I went back and I watched, uh, when I binge watched, uh, is I kept on thinking again. I'm one of those people who like I don't want to completely bag on it, but I, I because there were some, there were a lot of opportunities. I kept on feeling that there was missed opportunity after missed opportunity after missed opportunity. So like with season in season three when they talk when like Sam is freaking out about uh, the four and five statistic. That could have been a great exploration into, well, why is that? You know, there's this, somebody rattles off in his support group that only four and five autistic students graduate from college in oh, four yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. That does it. And then, of course, he has this really heartfelt moment with his dad where he talks about it. And then somebody, they, they, what they do is they almost make it almost kind of like a personal failing of autistic people that they can't do it. And there's that one yeah, part where he says like, yeah. and because maybe he takes it on now. We're, 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 we're colleges and men. He says to his dad, colleges and men for people like us, you know, you know people like us can't do mm. college. Instead of saying, you know, instead of exploring, well, why is that the case? Yeah. yeah because like yeah. if four and five, because like if even if, okay, so if one in 10 autistic people don't finish college in, you know, four years 
that could be, you know, maybe not all autistic people are cut off for college. Some things, you, you, you know, again, or, or me, and then maybe it was a little bit of both, like one autistic, a little bit on the autistic person, a little bit on the university. But like when it's four and five, it, you, you know, and even then, like, you know, you got to think, well, maybe the school didn't do enough to help them succeed. Or maybe, they, they, you know, this exactly. and that. Or maybe it's okay if you don't graduate in four years. I graduated in five years. I graduated college in five years, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so, so, yeah. And I don't know what the system, university system, is in Australia, but like you know, but like you, you know, not everybody. You know, I know a lot of people who are neurotypical who don't graduate in four years. You know, because I went to community college, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of people who that who things work that way. But like, it's, there's more stuff behind. There's that. more Just stuff behind that. But like the fact that they made it almost like okay, these kids are doomed. Instead yeah, of like, yeah. well, why is that the case? Or why is it that, yeah. you, you know, instead of exploring like, hey, things are kind of screwed up. Like one of the things that like, I'm glad that they have those scenes in the support room, like where the suit, where the suit was yeah, all, yeah. Where, the, where the students all hang out. But like, I wish that they had more talk of them kind of confiding in each other. Yeah. Like, like, like yeah, this really sucks. Or this really you know, like, you know, you know like the room in X and Y is like really echoing. It really affects, you know. Yeah, or like you know, like because, like you know, even when Sam has his ethics class, they make the professor really out to be kind of a wise ass. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they and they almost make it seem like, oh well, she's doing a thing because in the end, she kind of helps him with his ethics. It's like almost, oh well, she's kind of giving him a discipline instead of like the thing I got with her is like she's you're being a dick lady you know <laughs> yeah. like you're being extra by when he's saying can you slow down she speeds up and i was like no you're being an asshole you yeah, know yeah um and then again they make it seem like oh well sam just can't keep up and then and then of course he gets a note taker but like hmm. they make it this very very individualized thing and instead of her being because like i think about it and i write about it in my book that the way the only way i got through college was I had this really great professor. His name is Dr. David Peer at the University of North Carolina. It wasn't even my major. It was an African music class. And I, like Sam, I kind of blanked on the te- on a test. And I went to him and I said, look, I need help. I'm autistic. Because like up until then, I didn't want to have services. I was like Sam. I was really mm. stubborn. Mm. And again, they don't touch on him. Not the reason why he doesn't want to ask for services or whatever. Yeah. But like... The reason why is like literally he called the student services uh, department and he said, they're waiting for you. Go. Oh, wow. And like that was the day before fall break. And he didn't need to do that. But like it was because of that, that that wasn't even my major. That was for a general ed assignment class. A lot like Sam, it wasn't something I was interested in. But because of that, that was the only reason I was able to graduate college, Mm. you know. And instead what you get is you get, oh, well, this teacher's giving him tough love instead of. How does this teacher change and adjust? Because, like, had my teacher not taken it at face value or he'd just been, like, that dickish ethics professor, I would have spun out. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that – I I feel like the college arc, it missed a lot of what could have been done. Yeah. And I work in inclusion in my my day job. And it could have been such a really good opportunity to to be like, how can colleges be more accessible to people who aren't the neurotypical – typical drinking college student with you know partying all the time etc like what what could they do to change their environment so it's a bit more yeah comfortable for everybody one of the only redeemable things about Paige I'm gonna go I'm sorry I'm going so hard on her but like (laughs) uh, but like is that she is is when she want is that when she you know does the headphones thing at the dance their Mm. their high school dance like that's actually a great scene 
it's them fighting ableism and people saying, well, I don't want to change people's hair or things like that. Like, you know, like that was actually like, oh, that's really a touching scene. And there's, but then nothing like that ever happens again. Yeah, that's that's the like, extent that it goes to. Because yeah. like what it does is that like, I feel like atypical is meant to make neurotypicals feel better about autism and like, oh, we're only nice to the, you know, and it's not about fixing systems. Yeah, yeah. You know, because fixing systems what it does is it makes ableism, you know, to borrow from my friend Spitzer Ackerman, like talking about racism and anti-Semitism, it makes it about table manners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And instead about what are the road, the systemic roadblocks. Yeah, yeah. And that, the problem with that is that that makes a lot of people uncomfortable because yeah. it requires change. And it requires seeing the problems and seeing the inherent ableism and everything that's already out there and in ourselves personally in order yeah. to change and people don't like that <laughs> people don't like that and like you never see you never see denton change no you know they have the student services center and julia is a counselor there you know oh that's right I forgot. But, but like which is which is weird in a lot of ways i have problems with that <laughs> i have a lot of problems with julia uh we, we we need to talk about it but like you never see them you never see denton adapt to these students yeah they're just kind of you know, there in their hub. They've done their bit. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're their hub and like there's never like, you know, because like one of the things that I that I get off on is like I have a group chat of like autistic reporters and autistic journalists. And it's like kind of like it's kind of like where we just chat and we're like, can you believe these neurotypicals? You know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> when, I'm around, when I'm around a lot of people of color, like, you know, and like, you know, especially in a very overwhelmingly white business like journalism, it's kind of one of those things where I can get together with black people and Latinos and I can just kind of say like, can you believe these white people? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you know, um, and the same way, like you never get these again, cause they don't want to make neurotypicals feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. You never get these, oh, God, the neurotypicals are at it again moments, yeah, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like so a lot of that too, though. They could have, they could have, cause like that again, like to, to Rabia's, other work like will and grace is great because it lampoons the straights it's like oh <laughs> the straights you know yeah you, you, you know they, i like i think i like that's where the first time i'd heard the term the straights you know <laughs> and it's like and it's like uh, and like to my point i thought that like oh yeah straight people we can be kind of we can like i can imagine if, if my friends are gay that like oh the straights are at it again like yeah. even i'm like sometimes yeah the straight are are us straight people okay? <laughs> you know, but like, but there's never that, there's never that, can you believe these neurotypical people? Yeah. You know, there's never that moment. It you would know? have been nice to have at least one somewhere. <laughs> it would have been fantastic and it would have been, and it would have been hilarious. And, it, and again, I think that like, again, I think that they didn't want to offend neurotypical people. Yeah. Which there's a lot of problems with not wanting to offend non-marginalized people, yeah. you know. Um, People need but to like, stop I, I, worrying I, about that so much, I feel. But, like, I would have loved if they – but, like, I feel like people would have liked it if they had said, like – because then if they had said, look, can you – like, you know, a lot of people – even a lot of white people now recognize that they're Black Lives Matter. They, yeah. yeah. Something's about white – cisgender heterosexual male culture can sometimes feel suffocating to people who aren't that like when that's the de facto there's nothing wrong with being white or heterosexual cisgender or male or any of those things but when that's the default it can feel very suffocating to other groups yeah you know like even my even my even my very you know open-minded white friends are like 
man, us white people got to, you know, especially after Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, like, white people can be insufferable. You know, my white friends have said that. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that us say that, like, neurotypical, autistic people saying, man, the neurotypicals, that could have been a great moment and maybe could have created some empathy for autistic yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. But that never happened. But, you yeah, know? and I guess that's also this show is still appealing to the, the white, cis, um, you know, neurotypical audience more than any other audience. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, you know, again, like the, the one thing, because there's that one character who's kind of, who's autistic in the student group who's kind of sweet on Sam. Yeah. I would have liked for him to eventually break up with Paige and wind up with her. I mean, I shouldn't say that like every autistic person should wind up with other, with other autistic. I know mixed, like the, the equivalent of mixed marriages. <laughs> I know people who are in mixed marriages. But like that would have been sweet because she does seem to get him and she does seem to encourage him and support him. Like she when she like nice sells his stuff <laughs> seems like a much nicer person <laughs> yeah you know uh one of the things one of the reasons why i love casey is because she puts Paige in her place so much yeah she does she she puts it through the ringer and i think that also shows casey's like protectiveness and love for her brother and like knowing what he needs yeah like yeah like one, one of the one of the one of my favorite moments is when is when Paige does that really horrible thing where she talks about all the things sam can't do to yeah. Antar- in our oh. antarctica and Sam, which is just like, I just like, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Paige? Um, and and then like Sam. He should have broken up with her then. <laughs> he should have. And then like Sam runs away and then like Paige comes chasing after and then like Paige just, uh, Casey's literally like, Paige, no. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but I love that moment yeah, so much. Because yeah. of course you see Casey then helps Sam kind of train for Antarctica. But I also love it because it's just like, she's just like, no, you're not doing that to my brother. Like, you know, I adore that so much because like you need people like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that, and that, it's almost like Casey's the other side of the coin to, see, to Zahid. Like Zahid mm. may be a bad influence. And Casey, because Casey's Sam's sister, she's going to give him shit. Yeah. But, but it's you know, I give my shit. sister shit. Like I love that she yeah. nails that... Um congratulations on winning the lame award or whatever it is in season four. And then he puts it on the fridge yeah. and that's where it stays the whole season. Like he's like, yep. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that lovable ribbing on each other. Brother, sister. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You, you know, but like, and then immediately what does she do after that? She, you know, helps him train for Antarctica and that puts perspective on her. That helps give her perspective, like in her things for training and things like that. So I, I, I adore, I adore Casey. If only for that, like if that was the only thing, good thing Casey did, I would yeah. love Casey. Yeah. But I love Casey for a lot of other reasons. Same. Uh, but 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 that, but that, but like that that was that was really my problem with the whole show. Was again there was that ne- it doesn't require, uh, it, it, it doesn't require. The school as a whole to change. The one character who I think also like I should I should say that like even when he gets on my nerves, the character who does mature and understand better and get better a lot throughout the show is Doug. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He has a pretty strong arc of growth on the show. Yeah, like uh, you know, I, I want to talk about the police thing. Like, can we talk about the police thing? Yes, real quick. Yes, like, let's do that. So, like, you, you know, there's in season two when Sam gets stopped by police and things like that. And, you know, that leads to the um, to Doug and uh, Megan, who he almost has an affair. Yes. I mean, he kisses her, so he has an affair. You know? <laughs> uh, 
you know, to, uh, to, borrow, to borrow from Bill Clinton, depends on what your definition of is, exactly. is. But like, <laughs> he, he has an affair. Like, like, let's just, he definitely today. has an emotional affair with me. Yeah. He has a very emotional affair before he ever kisses her. Let's admit that. Yeah. He starts the first responders thing. And again, that's, I, I did like the, the, I liked the attempt. I appreciated the attempt, which is that, oh, Doug's an ENT, so maybe he can train police in, in, in helping that. The problem with that is that we know that training autistic police to handle autistic people doesn't work. Yeah. And again, like, it, 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 they didn't want it to, I get that they didn't want it to be too political. And let's admit the fact that Sam is a white male, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there have been plenty of non-white male autistic people who've been killed by police yeah. or have been shot yeah. by police. But like, and then there have been those who've been shot but not killed. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you know, there, yeah. there are plenty of there are plenty of not good things that have happened to autistic people of color. Or or, or Kaden Clark, I believe, was their name, um, who was transgender and who was shot by police in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the the you know. It's not, again, it's about making neurotypical people feel good. It's like, oh, if we just train police to handle things better, that's one of the few things where they try to change the system. But again, it's not even like, maybe police, you know, again, Doug's an EMT. Maybe we should have EMTs respond to autistic people. Like, maybe not have police deal with them. You know, like, you know, again, like, even when there was an opportunity to, like, show something really important, they got cold feet and they 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 they, they lost their, their toe nerve. in and went, no, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. We don't want to offend too many people, you know. Uh, I, I, like, I understand for something where you want to have wide mass appeal, you can't do everything. You can't burn everything down. No. Uh, but like even then, like again, you're you're eluding the truth. You're you, you know, but like, but like there could have been a really important thing where I mean, and there, but like, if anything, what it does do is it helps Doug understand his son a little bit more. Yeah, 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 and it and that does sort of, a little bit to that does sustain throughout the rest of the series. I I feel yeah to the to the extent that Doug winds up going to you know. Uh, Antarctica with his son like that's a really again that's a maturation that because you go from Doug saying okay I'm out I'm leaving my family because my son's autistic to I want to understand my son so much that I'm willing to go to fucking Antarctica to <laughs> which is a pretty to, big commitment know, that's a that's a big job and it's and we should celebrate that yeah, you know yeah, that's true uh and, and also like Doug he doesn't like Casey spends all this time freaking out about whether her dad is going to, you know, accept her for being bisexual. And then he's kind of like, okay, you know, that was refreshing. That was really, really cool. Like, I'm glad that they did that. Like, so like, you don't need to, you don't need to assume the worst in people, you know? So, so like, again, that's why I think that like atypical was also kind of bad for parents because it put parents in the worst possible light too, in some Mm. ways, even when they think that they were flattering them. Obviously, in season one, they just had the one consultant. In season two, yeah. the show added the author David Finch as yeah. an expert in the personal experience of autism who wrote The Journal of Best Practices, a memoir of marriage, Asperger syndrome, and one man's quest to be a better husband, which I have not read. Um, I've thumped through it. It's, you know, it's a... F- it's 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 what it is it's a it's a book about marriage and things like that you know uh, it, it's a fun it's fun for what it is and it seems like david has a happy marriage you know so you know now so like you know it it, it works for him uh i actually met david at a conference oh. uh and i met jenna boyd who plays Paige because like it was a love and autism conference in san diego when i was doing book 
talk. And I talked to them specifically about how do you make sure that atypical isn't like a gone with the wind situation where like, you know, you portray it. And he mentioned that they, that he had become a consultant and that there were more black people and people of color and things like that. But, you know, oh, wow. but, 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 but yeah, so, so. Well, it sounds like it was a good addition. Um, and then there was the Elaine Hall, who I mentioned earlier, who she also wrote a book called The Seven Keys of uh, to Unlock Autism, which I don't know how you feel about the term of unlocking autism. I don't know how do you unlock autism. <laughs> you know, it's not under lock and key. It's kind of just there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It sort of um, promotes that like, you know, we will. We'll There's a kid inside. Yeah. Like... When they're just themselves. Yeah. But it's used as a textbook at Brown University. And she founded the Miracle Project, which is an L.A.-based film and theater training program designed for neurodiverse creatives. And that's where a lot of the peer group actors came from. Um, and they all, quite a few of them from that um, project, auditioned for, for the first season as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, well, the, 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 the autistic characters in the second season in the peer support group are fantastic. Yeah, I think. yeah. I think that they're fun. Well, I wish I could. I wish you could have seen more of that's them. That's what bugs me is... They were really good actors. Why couldn't they have been in the main role? And they were funny. They were, you know, interesting. Or like, why couldn't they, you know, at the very least, why couldn't you have like more of them and like Sam hanging out with them? Yeah. Like, or Sam, that becoming his kind of tribe, you know, and I get, I get that like you, that it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's just like it's ridiculous to assume that all gay people are going to be friends or all black people are going to be friends. Like, yeah, but like, you know, I could, I, I would have liked to have seen him, you know, because Jasper shows up in later episodes, yeah. la- later, later seasons, but you don't really see much of the, much of the other ones from that group. But like, I would have liked to have seen that. I would have liked to have seen more of them or like how they support one another yeah. or how they, again, like it was, it was, a, it was, there was a great idea there. Yeah. It was just a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I feel like sort of in season three and four, like things kind of ramp up where some of those actors have more of a role in the plot. Like in like Sid has quite a lot to do with getting Sam ready for like Antarctica. Antarctica. And Abby yeah. as well. Um, play- yeah. I should say their actors, actor name, sorry. So Sid was played by Tal, where is she? Tal Anderson. And Abby's played by Kimia Bepornia. And there's also Spencer Hart, Nikki Gutman, Naomi Rubin, and Layla Weiner. And- yeah, but like Abby is never explicitly said to be autistic in his art class, but it's like she's kind of coded as yeah, autistic, yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, and she shows up quite a bit with, with others, I think. And yeah, they're all autistic actors, according to the internet. Those characters have a bit more of a role in the development of the story, but even then, yeah. it's it's like, oh, we'll give them a little bit of a platform, but they're and then that's it sort of thing they don't really it's kind of like it's it's kind of like dressing and icing on a cake yeah you know (laughs) it's not like it's baked into the actual cake it's still delicious but you know it's not it's not part of the cake it's an add-on and i think that that was that was kind of my 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 criticism my biggest criticism yeah because like again all those characters are delightful when they're playing Battleship and they're, you know, in the, in the student group or when they're, you know, talking about things or when Jasper is talking with his, with uh, Sam's boss about how they have only the second best toothbrush and things like that. <laughs> those are all hilarious and fun and interesting and flawed. And like, you know, sometimes they're assholes, sometimes they're cool. Sometimes, you know, like they're, they're, they're still, you know, they're allowed to be human. I just wish that we had more scenes with yeah, them. Yeah, you know? totally agree. I think, I hope we see them in a lot more shows from here on, at least. I hope so too. I hope so too. So move on to accuracy. And I just wanted to ask, based on your experience, what was particularly 
accurate about the representation of autism for you? Like, what did you relate to the most? I think the thing that I liked was, and this is probably where we could talk about Abed from Community and Compare and Contrast. Yeah, uh, sure. Sam and, uh, is that I do think that autistic people, we do navigate, the, like, I do think that the fact that Sam doesn't drive, that's the thing that, like, I don't drive. That's why I live in a big city, you know? Yeah. Uh, that has public transportation. That's just something. Um, they get the sensory stuff somewhat okay, you know? Again, Sam's relationship with, Casey and Zahid are great because they, they, they his relationships with them are really healthy, you know, you, you know, and Zahid does, you know, there's, there's a few scenes where Zahid's like, do you want a lot of pressure or no pressure at all? Like, and like, it's just a real friendship and they understand each other. They get each other. That's great. I think that, uh, Sam, difficulty you know questioning whether he can live on his own is a great arc again i wish they had done more on it again they're, they're like as much as i want to trash atypical a lot of it was just like there was so much more they could they, they had like so many great strains that they could have done more of you know yeah yeah uh the executive functioning thing and managing your time is is, is great i wish that they had you know, where like he's he's worried about his schedule. Again, I wish that they had put a word to that, which is executive functioning. Yeah. You know, yeah, that so that nice. that that would have been good. Uh, but 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 like I appreciate the 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 attempt at you know I appreciate that they at least showed it. I wish that they had put a name to it. Yeah. I think the you know the the special interest thing is good, but like th this is where I'm gonna say like I the problem that I have with the special interest is with, with Sans interest in Antarctica and penguins and in the Antarctic as a whole is that Sam always finds a way to bring everything about the about everything else back to him so like if you remember he has that scene where he's interviewing Julia and she says when she looked into her son's eyes like it put things into perspective and then when he looks at his penguin the penguin's eyes it's like it's about him whereas I think the thing I love about Abed in Community is that his love of movies and pop culture allow is kind of the opposite. It allows him to develop relationships yeah, and yeah. put himself out there. So he connects with Jeff and he connects with Annie and he connects with Danny Pudi, who's again, uh, to the point that like, you don't necessarily have to be autistic, you know, like Danny Pudi for as all, as much as I know is a tip is, is neurotypical, but like, but Dan Harmon was autistic, but like, you know, like it's like, his interest allows him to connect with other people rather than he uses other people's stuff to connect it, to, to center back to him. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Abed yeah. in, in, in community compared to why I find Sam kind of insufferable. The one problem I kind of have with Sam is again, like the idea that Sam, because it seems like Sam's really only interested with Kate and Casey for sex in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because like I really didn't like that he's really kind of a dick to her in a lot of ways too. Yeah, he's not. He's not a very good boyfriend. <laughs> he isn't. Like, like don't get me wrong. Casey's Casey's a shit. Oh, you mean Paige? Pay, pay. No, I mean pay, Casey. Yeah, like I'm not saying that. No, sorry. Not dating. Uh, but like, but but like, pay, but like, but like, his relationship with Paige is is not that much. Like where he locks her in a closet for, yeah, for the first season. Yeah. But then, you know, he does have that sweet moment where he, uh, you know, recites her or, you know, valedictorian speech. But, like, you don't even really see, like, he never says goodbye to her. He just slams the laptop when they're, when they're Skyping, you know, or, 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 like, you know, when they're video chatting. Like, and he, he never really, 
he never seems to be really supportive of it. It's like, which is not true. Cause like he clearly, you know, because as again, you see, he clearly wants to help support Paige and uh, or Casey and whatever she's doing. He clearly doesn't want Zahid to fuck up his nursing school stuff. Like, mm-hmm. so he has that capacity to care about people. Yeah, he's also got the capacity to learn social interactions and learn, you know, that you say goodbye to someone on a phone call and stuff because he's, you know, he's he's very adaptable. He is adaptable. So like those he's adaptable. Things are a bit inaccurate. Yeah. So, but so like that was why I did it. That was why I kind of didn't like his womanizing, and I felt or like mm. his treatment of Paige because they it, his treatment of Paige never got better. No. You know? No. Other things, other things about Sam got better. His treatment of Paige, he's just a bad boyfriend, is what he is. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if that's uh, a very good representation of you know. <laughs> Especially when she set out to make a movie about dating and relationships. Yeah, TV yeah, show. and it's like, and look, it's fair, you know. Look, not all t- all autistic people are good boyfriends or girlfriends. No, like that's, that's true. you know, it's it's it's, it's a, like that's okay. But again, they never make it explicit that that's bad. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they never make the text. They never make the subtext the text that like this is an autistic behavior. He's just being an asshole. Mm. you know no, uh they exactly and, and right. like i worry that that poisons the well for other types of because like i know plenty like some of my friends some of my male friends who are autistic who are married are fantastic husbands mm. Mm. Are, are just like the most if you get them talking about their wives like they will info dump about their wives you know like <laughs> or, or their girlfriends you know you can ask some of my ex-girlfriends how i was so you know, <laughs> that's to be determined you know right, but <laughs> Please do. Uh, but, but, but like, the, 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 but like you know, like, I worry that, that that they almost make him being a shitty boyfriend almost as an autistic trait. Yeah. It's yeah. not. That's, that's how I read it, too. It's like they're saying, oh, well, this is just Sam. You know, this is what Paige has being to Sam. deal with because he's Sam. Like, no, no, she shouldn't have to deal with, like. And, and like, again, to the point about, uh, you know, there's some neurodivergence, you know, like, they, they, they later say that Evan has dyslexia, though they never really explore it. No, like, having, that would have been nice. study. Like, That would have been fantastic, like, him learning how to study or his or Casey helping him study or yeah. him learning stuff from Sam, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, that would have been you, awesome. you, you know, or him learning to go to disabilities. Or, but, like, again, they never... They never touch on it, but like, you know, uh, in the same way, like Paige clearly has some deep seated mental health issues. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, or anxiety I, issues or who knows. I almost they, thought they, they just, were like writing her as maybe ADHD or, or something. Yeah. Like almost as ADHD or bipolar syndrome. Cause like she clearly has anger issues. Like yeah. when she has a road wage. Some emotional she, regulation problems. Yeah. Yeah. She, she clearly has trouble regulating her emotions. Like, especially when she like, loses her shit at Sam in the first season, you know, like, you know, like I, I would, again, I would have liked to have seen that. Like I would have liked to have seen more of, I would have liked to have seen that explored more again. Like it was just, it was a missed opportunity for some of the neuro atypical characters who weren't Sam. Yeah, you know? exactly. And it sort of came back to, you know, Sam needs all the support, but what about the people around him? Like they do sort of explore, you know, the, the marriage and them needing support and, and, and their growth. But, you know, it would have been Casey. Nice. Yeah, and Casey for sure. It would have been nice for someone to say, "Hey, Paige, like, I think maybe you need some help." Like, cause she, cause she really struggles with college, and she's like finding her feet, but she's kind of doing it alone. So it would have been nice to have an arc where they're like, "Maybe you need some help because you struggle with emotion regulation or blah blah blah." 
Um, yeah. So it's not just Sam's the atypical one and everyone else is not. Yeah, and what it could show is that a lot of people require different supports, and that doesn't make autistic people's need for support any less. Like that would have been a that would have been a great that would have been a great moral of the story, you know. And I wish we I wish we could have had that, but we didn't. Yeah, was there anything in particular that was so inaccurate that we haven't already mentioned? Again, more than anything, it was just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Like, I, like that was that that was the main thing. Like, I think also the the main thing that I that I didn't like was it sam seems to blame other people whenever he comes up short mm, yeah. and i th- you know i didn't like that one thing i did like was he does get really cross when he when people assume he can't do stuff that's like a really accurate thing i really like that of course when he sets tectropolis on fire but like you know but like uh, that's a really that's a really good scene there's a really good moral to that. And I hate that they turned it into this funny slapstick thing where like he sets a place on fire instead of like him telling his mom, like, no, like I can do this. Like, you know, instead they make it about, oh, see, like Sam needs to, you know, see as being, you know, Sam sets a place on fire, you know. That that, that that really that really bugged me. I did like when, you know, he needed a place in the, like in his own apartment that he needed to decompress. And like he was worried about whether he could live on his own. Those are real, those are real legitimate things. But again, like they, one of the things that I wish they could have done is that, so Casey, her mom takes her phone. Like when she's studying, when she's taking track, going to track, she needs that support and that rigid schedule. She needs a trainer. She needs all those things to like, they never make that connection with like, okay, yeah, Sam still needs his family, but Casey needs her family to be a track star. You know, because he needs his support system when he gets cancer. They never do that, you know, through that parallel. They just make it like uh, Sam's autistic. And of course, he's going to have trouble living independently. They they could have done it and they never did. And that, that was what that was what frustrated me. Yeah, because there are parallels that are implied, <laughs> but never explicitly Explored, said. Yeah. And I think that's a yeah. good point, too, when you say like he blames everybody else for things that go wrong goes wrong it doesn't really show him ever kind of blaming himself or, or getting sort of caught up in nobody calls him on a shit that's feelings one yeah that's true he's not accountable for very much ever <laughs> when you know feeling quite negative or anxious as as anybody like that all those kind of emotions weren't really explored yeah i mean even the uh e- even when he even when zaheed calls him on his shit mm. I mean, Gretchen is a bad character and I really don't like Gretchen. <laughs> you know, you don't, it's never really taken from Zahid's point, point of view that like, you know, yes, Gretchen is toxic, but like, you know, who hasn't dated some bad people in college, you know? Yeah. <laughs> People, yeah, hands up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, like, I mean, I think that, I think that would have been, I think that would have been great, but, it, but again, yeah, it's not touched on, so. Yeah. I've got some views from some of the actors in the show with autism. Sure. Spencer Hart says, I have a lot of friends with Asperger's who are just like Sam. I think the show is very realistic showing Asperger's. I think it would be good to show lots of different people with autism. Some are nonverbal, even so that they can see people like themselves on TV. Autism is a spectrum like a rainbow. You need all of the colors to make a rainbow. And I really like that quote because that's something that I had in mind too. Like we're seeing a, 
I, I don't like the term functioning high or low because it's, I don't like functioning it's very level dismissive. Either, yeah. um, but that what people would call a high functioning um, autistic yeah. man, um, it would have been nice to see some of the people on the other end of the spectrum. speaking Yeah, yeah. Some um, yeah, I would have liked to additional see that um, comorbidities as well, um, like with physical disabilities and stuff like that. Yeah. Cerebral um, palsy, epilepsy, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, all of those things. Um, and yeah, Nikki Gutman was another actor who also thought that the show was good and um, picking up a lot of the feelings that kids on the spectrum go through on a daily basis. Uh, for example, relationship problems, growing up problems, sexual identification, etc. Um, so she, she kind of liked that depiction. Um, she was on the show though, so she, maybe she's a bit biased. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but one thing I was reading from ABC Australia News is um, one of the viewers of of Atypical um, wrote a little bit in this article about how it doesn't portray autism for women and girls and masking, which is a really no, good it doesn't. Point. Yeah, um, because particularly for females, masking is uh, for for viewers masking or clamor. Camouflaging describes certain behaviors people with autism try to adopt to try and fit in with those around them, which is very, it must be a very exhausting thing to, to have to mask all the time, but it's not something that's really covered at all in the atypical. It is. It isn't really touched on at all. Even with the, even with the female autistic characters in the show. Have so. you got, had a lot of experience with masking yourself? Yeah. I mean, I do as a journalist every day, like even, you know, like, I mean, I, I accentuate different parts of myself and I don't, I, I, I it was interesting. I was talking with a friend of mine just the other, just, just, just this morning. And she, and she told me, she's like, you know, uh, and, and she said, like, have you noticed that since you become more open about autism, like you mask less? And then she's like, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you kind of do. Uh, I said, it's kind of, you, you know, but it was, it, but it was, it was, it's interesting how those uh, kind of dynamics kind of change, uh, kind of change. But like, it's interesting how, you know, there were, I, I would have liked to have seen more of them touching on like, maybe do the girls have to mask more when they go to parties and things like that? You know, like, I would have liked to have seen more of that, you know, but again, yeah, like, another just missed wasn't opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Another another missed opportunity. Another missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and another thing that was in a different article I read, I think it was in Psychi- Psychiatry Online, the fact that he is sort of not depicted as having any sort of psychotropic medications as well. And yeah, like we said before, like not having any comorbidities or on the more um pronounced end of the spectrum as well so yeah yeah i mean i think that was again that was like i would have liked to see more of that like what exactly does does sam do or what 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 helps sam get the day like it's just again to your point it's just kind of like the headphones are a stand-in for everything else yeah, you know yeah. like that's a stimming is encompasses he stims a lot less later like i read that it has been praised as a good example of the spectrum of acceptance of autism which, you know, I'll kind of pay, but it's also in 2022, it's a little bit dated to be talking about the acceptance of autism. Like, it's not. Yeah, like how, how much longer do you have to, how much, how much, how much longer Can do we... autistic people have to wait? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, come on, we've known about it since the 1910s. Like we, we can, we can, I think we can get past acceptance. <laughs> Can we you move know? on from that, please? 
Question for you. Do you think Elsa is coded autistic herself? I've thought of that. Yes. Toward the third season, I thought about it a few times. Yeah. Uh, Just especially the arc where she's taking care of Paige's plants. Mm -hmm. and She finds like an interest in in, in there. Uh, Her love of Fleetwood Mac. um, (laughs) Her kind of needing needing that board like as much it's as much for her as it is for sam like it, it she did there definitely are some touchstones that maybe she would be i mean jennifer jason lay is a great actress yeah so um again like the the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree the you know autism it's a genetic thing you know so like there's even then there's like never like you know, because later on when there, there's the whole arc with her mom and then her mom says that like, oh, you weren't an easy kid. You know, she says, I know I wasn't an easy kid or something like that. They kind of touch it up. But like, again, there's never like, even if there's like an uncle or there's an aunt, like, you know, do you have like an Uncle Steve? Like, does Sam have an Uncle Steve who maybe was on to, you know, who, you know, likes trains or, you know, uh, instead of penguin. <laughs> Hashtag Uncle Steve, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know, or was there, uh, or, or, you know, did did Doug have a mom who was a little idiosyncratic, or you know, you, you know, there was, you know, you know, Elsa, you know, they kind of touch on it a little bit. It's kind of like how in Rain Man, we've talked about Rain Man. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about Rain Man all the time. <laughs> but like his, the dad's particularity with the rose bushes mm. yes, is almost yes, yes. kind of coded as him maybe being autistic and him being cold and distant is like i thought about like somebody tweeted at me after i did the year are good episode like maybe papa babbitt's autistic i was like yeah he probably is you know um it comes from it comes from somewhere you know and it ain't the vaccines you know? um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, again i wish there could have been a great vaccine joke that you know nice yeah <laughs> just <stuck laughs> Yeah, like like I would have I would have liked a good vaccine joke. I would have liked a good train joke, you know. Um, For example, getting um, shots to go to Antarctica that might have been a good opportunity. That would have been so fantastic! <laughs> like he gets the shots to go, <laughs> you, you, you know. That would have been just perfect, you know. <laughs> but like, yeah, and I get that. Like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to trivialize a real thing because like it's big because you get the kooks, you know, yeah, or you get the, you you get the dickheads, you know. <laughs> but like at the same time, the but like there's a there's a way to lampoon it, yeah, you know. Exactly. There's a way to there's a way to satirize it. And it was like, come on, like you didn't, you can't give me one vaccine joke atypical. <laughs> I feel like you can't give me a general criticism. Yeah. Is though it is a very like polite sort of show. Like it, it's a. It's little, a very polite yeah, show. Yeah, it's a little bit. Oh, I want to say it on the nose in the way that it's like very. It's wholesome, in sometimes yeah. to its detriment that it's a little bit it, do, it doesn't be, it wants to keep it family even though like sam goes to a strip club you know uh there's, lots of weed you know, like, well. <laughs> there's a lot of marijuana in it like you know but like there there's it never wants to go too taboo yeah yeah like let's talk about the fact that as far as i i know sam i think he kisses Paige in a few scenes but they never show him they never show even the beginning of having sex. No, no, it's it's all very much behind closed doors. It's very yeah, like there's no uh you, you know, there's that there's that opening scene where he's trying to have sex with someone, but like and it comes off as awkward and it's kind of played off as a joke about him doing it. But like there's Sam is never 
like, let me put it this way. Sam is horny, but he's not. He's not allowed to be too horny. Sexy. He's not sexy. He's allowed to be a, he's a horny teenager, but he's not allowed to be sexy, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. I got reminded of this essay that with the headline, they said like one of the problems with movies today is everybody's hot, but nobody's horny. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but, but, but like, it's like Sam's allowed to be horny, but he's not allowed to be sexy. Yeah. You know? and he's, he kind of doesn't develop his, uh, and maybe that's also a bit of a stereotype. He doesn't really develop his style or his attempts to look sexy to Paige or yeah. to anyone else as well throughout the series. Yeah, you never see them. You're like, one of the things is that because their dates keep getting skedaddled, but like you never see them go on an actual date. Yeah, yeah. You never see them. You never see them actually like enjoying themselves or like so 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 to the point that like so to the extent that you don't really have any emotional investment in Sam and Paige. Yeah, no, it really gives you, you, you none. We, which you do with both Evan and Izzy when it comes to Casey. Yeah, yeah the neuro which is why the neurotypicals get that investment, but not yeah. Sam. Yeah, and 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 Doug and Elsa certainly yeah, do in yeah. more ways than one. And that's a great thing for like, like it creates the best parts of their of their character traits, but you never see Sam getting that, you know. Uh, and that, that that's one of the that's one of the problems with it is he still has a very underdeveloped sexuality, yeah, yeah, or a very baseline teenage level of teenage understanding of sexuality. As far as we can tell, because we don't really get to see him have much. We sex. We, no, we don't get to see <laughs> hashtag let hashtag let Sam fuck, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note i want to talk about the portrayal of therapy from my own yeah. uh, perspective oh, yeah. as a psychologist and please tell me yours. yes please i hate it <laughs> i hated oh. it so much <laughs> i can imagine like it sort of started off like you know she does try and help him and, and break some of the negative sort of beliefs that he had about autism like you know yeah people with autism date all the time and you know um, and, you know, she's got some sort of positive regard and some good strategies there. But the fact that he falls in love with her or, you know, crushes on her is such a trope, which I get so sick of in the media. I just want it to die, please. Not just with autistic people. It's with For a lot anyone, of them. You yeah, know, like, yeah, that's, that's been beat, it's been beaten to death. And she just has no boundaries. She's got no boundaries at all. Like it, she, no, she doesn't. She, she's a, she's bad at her practice too because she doesn't draw those boundaries at all. Like she doesn't. She, they, they, they make her out to be a really bad psychiatrist, psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's not. It's just not good for the profession, which I'm always hoping. It's not on good about. for. Yeah. It, it's as late. It's as lazy as the idea of journalists sleeping with their sources. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Relatable. It's the laziest and easiest joke and trope that you can they can go to exactly, and they go there. And even when they like finish up sessions, he she like Sam calls her every week, which she just accepts, and she ends up having like a relationship with Sam's family and like with Elsa, and she just pops up all the time, and it's just yeah, it's just not it's not accurate, and it's uh, not very appropriate and professional. And I feel like it's trying to sort of humanize her, like how she has relationship problems and um, she ends up being a single mom. And, you know, that's great and wonderful, but it, it also kind of comes off as, oh, she's totally flawed. She's a mess. And look at her. She's trying to give Sam therapy. Oh, what's she doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it doesn't. She doesn't come off looking that great, even when they try to make her look good. Yeah. 
And I, I you know, she she's a really she's a really poorly served character. Yeah. She there there was an opportunity to do good with her. Like she's a good like the actress is great. Yeah, the actress is she's great. great acting. But uh, the actress and the character deserved better, in my I opinion, agree. in my estimation. And the therapy well deserved better <laughs> portrayals of, of the, the work. The profession deserves a lot better than what than what you guys got. So I mean, I think it's just like I I mean, I think the thing of it is, is that it just really just isn't believable. Yeah, no. Like it's a bit and, extreme, and you know Sam is never explicitly told by his parents that this isn't okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a big problem I had with it. There's really no consequence for his pursuit. There, of no, her. there isn't any consequence. Yeah, he like breaks into a house. There, there, there is no consequence. <laughs> and that's all fine. I'll just sort of list off the the tropes that we've kind of already mentioned. Yeah, person with autism being a jerk. <laughs> Yeah. The fall in love with your therapist trope, the we are all the same yeah. or we all know each other trope because all the kids with autism at the college sort of hang out together. Yeah, exactly. Straight white male. And also, I guess, with Paige as well, she's kind of that do-gooder, self-appointed autism expert. Oh, yeah, she is. The, no, I, I should say, like, the one thing that is kind of subversive in the yeah. show, and there's not a lot, to, to, to your point that it's a polite, <laughs> that's a very polite show and that it's not subversive at all. The one thing that is kind of subversive is when she has her whole Sam can't go to Antarctica thing. Yeah, yeah. That is a good way of flipping the do-gooder thing. That's true, yeah. That's a really good point. That is a really good way because she's couching it in he can't do this. But even then, it's couched in more she's upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's not being a good boyfriend. And yeah, he's a shitty boyfriend. That was a date that was date night, you know? Um, but like, you know, again, to the point that, you know, he's a dick. But like that was somewhat subversive. That yeah, no, that was a really shitty thing that Paige did. And it flips the card thing, like where he has to give a card when he talks about things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good flipping it on the head. And I think that's a really good fuck you to that. To that idea. That's right. And it sort of explores the sort of underlying, like, sort of almost the truth. Condescension? Yeah, the condescension of, of those people who, you know, might have a friend who's autistic and be like, oh, I know everything about autism right now, even though, you know, they just know that person. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And that maybe there's actually some unhelpful views on what that person can and can't do still underlying that yes yeah, yeah so like that was the one thing and then you know conversely and then the thing that it does that it flips it on his head is that you know again casey says okay got these problems <laughs> let's train you for it like which is just that's probably my favorite scene in the entire show yeah yeah and it's great that at the end he actually well we assume goes to antarctica yeah fuck you Paige. you're wrong <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that was good because, yeah, we've mentioned all the stereotypes. Unless there's anything else that you that we haven't touched on. It's a very basic show. There's nothing really particularly intriguing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's kind of just you don't have any reason to be emotionally invested in Except anybody. Casey because I am emotionally invested in her. Except Casey. <laughs> Personally. Because she actually has a beating heart. Yeah, you know? yeah. And she has the most complex story. It's a but to your point. It's a very inoffensive by it being inoffensive. Yeah, it's very inoffensive. It's a, yeah. In its attempt to be, in its attempt to be inoffensive, 
it winds up making a very bland show. Yeah. It looks pretty. Like it I really like also the um the art and the drawings in the later seasons were actually drawn by someone with autism as well. Like I I like how yeah. it's presented. It's very well yeah. produced, but yeah, it's kind of I don't know, there's there's not looking back this what what is the actual appeal of it apart from some of those yeah, nice but, characters by it by it not wanting to ruffle anyone's feathers yeah yeah it does a detriment because it prevents it prevents people from really being provoked and being like oh they're jolted and caring yeah, about stuff yeah exactly and it doesn't sort of it doesn't give their audience growth and smash no, some things like smash some stigmas that they might have had yeah, it doesn't. So yeah, yeah, but like you know, I think that's that. That's the one thing I would say is that by being, by being polite, its biggest flaw is that it's too polite. Yeah, and I think the biggest stereotype overall is that it's a stereotyped portrayal, essentially. Like, yes, it is. It's a stereotyped portrayal. It feels like it was a facsimile of a lot of older or ideas. The, the thing. My friend Sarah Luderman says that like any writing or journalism or movie portrayals or pop culture portrayals of autism, like pre-2007, are gonna be cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2017. This is especially cringe. And like it's almost like, how have we to your opening question, how are we still here? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How the hell are we still doing this? And I think I don't think it thinks that it's cringe because one thing that I guess we can say is helpful about it is that it actually, at least it names that Sam has autism, whereas a lot of shows and movies would code a character with autism and then they would become sort of the butt of the joke or the the quirky character. And in some ways it's, it's trying not to do that. Yeah. But I also think Sam's still the butt of the joke a lot of the time. Oh, he is. He is. He, he absolutely is the butt of the joke in a lot of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> well, I guess it's finished now, which is which is probably what yeah, we need. Yeah. But I feel like it's not. It's not going to date very well. I don't think people are going to come. It's back not. To the show. It's not going to. I think, and I think that. Well, well, I, I should take. I take that back. I mean, we see how for so long, black people have wanted really good whole portrayals of them of black people on television and movies and we're still not there yeah yeah that's true because hollywood doesn't want to change at any time that you take too big of a risk then you know you know then it pisses people off and you know establishment mad and things like you, you, you know but like but but so so like maybe it'll date well in the sense that hollywood will still see it as you know uh as good enough I, and they're gonna say like, well, at least we're not seeing a guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, like, 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 see, I'm like, thank a, you, see, are we looking see, better than we were before now? See, yeah, see, see, exists to make atypical look better, you know. <laughs> um, uh, see his music, it, it, you know, like, it, 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 you know, and, and like my feeling was, you know, my whole because like by the end of the whole Oscar season, uh, you know. Uh, I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler joked about Sia's music, uh, like at the Golden Globes or something like that. Like, and, and like I was like, you know, and I was like, hey, cool, 
Tina Fey, you know, uh, Tina Fey did like that was that was that was cool. But like on the other end, it was like by that point, it had already seen it had already been nominated for a Golden Globe. It it wasn't going to win because but like so it it allowed Hollywood to almost and I'm not I don't give Sia a pass. No, it allowed Hollywood to pick on Sia. Yeah. Without taking a look at itself. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah. Because, like, Leslie Odom Jr. is in that movie, you know? And, and like, I, I fucking love Hamilton, you know? Like, you know, you, you know? But, like, the, uh, but, like, it allowed them to say, like, well, we're not going to do that, like, God. But, you know, like, we're not going to, but, like, we're not going to change, you no, know? No. Uh, so, so I, I think that Hollywood will still see that as, you know, we did our job. We didn't embarrass ourselves too much. A lot of people liked it. And, it and we did the really bare minimum one... of having like a couple of autistic actors or, you know, consulting with someone. Yeah. And, so, and, and, so and like, it got enough. And, and like it was, this was really when Netflix was really starting to go in all in on exclusive content. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it done House of Cards. It done The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. But like, this was the first like family kind of sitcom thing that they had done like so it was like so netflix is like hey this kind of worked you know we did we did our job yeah anyone can watch it it's easily accessible there's a low barrier to you know low barrier entry so like it's fine you know the critical reception was good enough yeah and it's definitely made for a neurotypical audience it is made for a neurotypical audience it's not made for it's not it's not disabled content made for disabled people, no, you know? Yeah. Like, but that's one not of the what things Hollywood has I, ever been good at. That's not what Hollywood wants. Well, Hollywood doesn't like making black content for black people. Hollywood doesn't like making, uh, you know, you know, which is weird because, like, if you look at something like, uh, and, and I've said this before, like, you know, Encanto is fantastic because it's Latino content made for Latinos, yes. you know? and as a white uh, person, I also can enjoy it and love it as well. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was great. Yeah, true. Because it was Asian content made by made by Asian people. Black Panther is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite superhero movies because it was made by a black director. Yeah. It was made like, you know, it was made with love and care and it was like and it was all these things. Uh so 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 like this is, you know, people with disabilities are one are, are about twenty percent of the population. Yeah, yeah. And then that's not counting all the people who have disabled disabled loved ones in their lives yeah. who would want to see. Like, it's good. It's good business to do good mm. whole portrayals of of disabled people, uh, in a way that's also accessible to other people. You you know, but like I I feel like it's almost kind of. They're still afraid of taking that risk. And one of the things I do worry about is I do have a friend who said, like, she's tried pitching other types of autism comedies and things like that. But, like, some in Hollywood and some in the entertainment business are like, well, we saw what the bad reception was from the autism community from, you know, Atypical. So, like, it almost kind of poisoned the well, so to speak, which kind of sucks. And then Sia went ahead and poisoned it a little bit more. She put a whole thing of cyanide <laughs> in the damn well. So, you know. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. And that's why it needs to be right. If it's not got right, then it can do so much lasting damage. Yeah, it could do so much. It could do it could do much more lasting damage. It can make it can make producers because producers and, and look, to producers to their credit, they're not gonna pick up something that's gonna cause cause a shitstorm. Like I understand it's a business. But they're you, you know, but they're also just not going to but they, but like in this, so in the same respect, these things do have a lot larger ripple effect. Yeah, that yeah. that worries me. So I feel like the closest Hollywood has come to um, 
giving disabled people a, the opportunity to make a disabled film, you know, a film about disability is Crip Camp. And Crip Camp is phenomenal. I've got a whole episode where I just gush about Crip Camp. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, I mean, I've gotten the chance to meet Judith Human, like, and the, like, which is like, I, like, I, I, like my mom was there too. Like, and I got to, I got to explain to her later that like, Judith Human is to the disability rights movement what Dolores Huerta is to like you know the farm labor work or like yeah you you know I I love that you know I love that the Obamas picked it up and you know because it was done through Obama's production company um, you know I loved that they that they allowed Jim LeBrex to make it you could tell it's a you know I was really upset that it didn't win the Academy Award me too <laughs> but I haven't seen my octopus teacher so yeah I can't I can't judge it too much but like but but like but like it, but like even that but like even then it was like it was like you know, you had people just they, they, the the main beef I had was that they put a ramp on the uh like in case Crip Camp want, which hey, you motherfuckers should have had a ramp to begin yeah. with. <laughs> but like they set it up like this was gonna be that it won. It was kind of the same thing that like would happen with Chadwick Boseman when he like when they set it up to make it seem like he was gonna win yeah. and then like they, and no disrespect to Anthony Hopkins. I love Anthony Hopkins. He's autistic, you know, but like yeah. they set it up to make it seem like this is gonna be something and that they could pat themselves on the back. And then they're like, ah, fooled ya, you know. Yeah, so 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 like that was my that was my frustration, you know. But but again, Crip Camp got a yeah. lot of great reception, and it shows what can happen when you do disabled, really good disabled content. But you know, well, but then you look at like as much as I hate to admit it, I haven't seen an episode of Everything's Gonna Be Okay. I wish I did, but like the fact that it didn't get the, but like you know, a that's on me, that's my fault. But b the fact that it didn't get the same push that Atypical no, did. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause like, it's one it, thing to make a show. It's another thing to aggressively market it. Yeah. You know? Is it marketed at all in the US? Cause it was marketed a bit. It wasn't like, you know, cause like it was available on Hulu. It was available on Freeform, but like, it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the, to the same extent that, uh, that ain't that that yeah. atyp that atypical was. So like, that was, that was my problem with yeah. it. That, and I guess it not, had, it's not just. Atypical has a huge company behind it, whereas I don't think the same was for everything's going to be. Yeah, like. Netflix, the fact that Netflix got behind it says everything. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I haven't actually finished Everything's Going to Be Okay because <laughs> yeah, when okay. you start a podcast, you've got to watch a million trillion things. But yeah, it's um, yeah, really good. Some arguments you could say that is helpful about Atypical and let me know if you agree. It does send the message like, People with autism can integrate in the community, have a job, yes, have a great friendship with neurotypical and autistic people, have relationships and have sex. Even though we don't see him have sex, we, we know yeah. he does have sex, um, which is a huge stereotype. People or you know message that people have been given that people with disabilities aren't sexual, yeah, sexual yeah. or want to have relationships, um, but he yeah. you know he actively wants one. And I think maybe it's a helpful model for neurotypical parents who might see themselves in Elsa because she goes through a bit of a journey of having to step back and let Sam be his own person. A little a bit. A little bit. Could have been explored more, as you said. But, yeah, it does maybe, again, I think it's more creative for the neurotypical people, so they might actually see themselves more in the mum, the autism mum. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just written here, I bloody love Casey. More Casey, please. <laughs> I love Casey. Doug becomes a better dad yeah. in the show. 
as much of a shithead as Zahid is, he does accept Sam for who he is. Yeah, you know? yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's a very healthy relationship that we see with ups and downs and fights and coming together and like a, yeah, a good relationship. Oh, and Elaine Hall, who founded the Miracle Project. Um, and I think it highlights how it can be pretty, it, it, it may have done some good things. Um, like Elaine Hall says that one of the questions that some directors asked her early on is, well, what if they have a meltdown on set and what if it's too much for them? And I think people were nervous and I'm proud to say that we have debunked myths about what's possible for individuals on the spectrum. What I always say is, no, being an actor on set, that's somebody's happy place. It's being in the real world that can be really challenging. And the Miracle Project actors, because they've changed the way that Hollywood perceives working with someone on the spectrum, it's value added rather than taking anything away from anyone. Um, so, yeah, it's it sounds like she's doing positive stuff and being able to say to directors, it would just be nice if someone with autism was the person advocating for that. Oh, that would have that been nice. <laughs> that would have been nice. Um, but, you know, saying like, because I'm, I'm absolutely sure that that comes up a lot of, you know, what if we can't cater for them on set? And it's like, well, so what? Cater for them on set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you got to change, you know? Yeah, exactly. And Spencer Hart says, maybe someone who thinks autism is weird and doesn't like people with autism, hopefully she hasn't had that experience a lot, will watch Atypical and see that autism is awesomeness, that people with autism are just like they are. We want to be loved and we have hopes and dreams like everyone else. Also, we are smart and funny and talented. And then maybe they won't be mean to us anymore. Which you could tell that some people have been mean to us. Yeah. And that's probably the case for lots of people on the spectrum. So, you know, there can be some positive things from this show. At least the people involved in the show has found it positive for them. So, And hopefully that will help their careers as well. Anything else that you thought was helpful about Atypical? I, I think that the, the one thing was that, like, I like that at least Hollywood tried to do something about autism. Yeah, they tried. <laughs> uh, they tried, you know. I think that they at least tried to learn. They got the criticism in the first season, and they tried to fix it. They did. They tried to fix it. How much they, you know... Big problem was that, you know, they couldn't, you know, they can't redo the first season. You know, of course, you can't do that. But they worked to fix things when they were receptive to criticism. Yeah. Which is better than a lot of other, uh, you know, nowadays it's like when, you know, filmmakers get insults and critique they're like oh you're trying to cancel me or some shit yeah, like that yeah. they, they, they were very much like no like you know we want to do a better portrayal of autism we kind of they never said they fucked up but they said we're going to try to do better yeah. you know we're going to take the criticism that's, on board. Mm. that's better than i think a lot of, that that's sure as fuck better than seal oh yeah you know? she's like fuck you fuck me fuck <laughs> yeah exactly like um so like that that's 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 something I can say is that they they heard the criticism, they didn't dismiss it. No, which yep. is so easy to do. Yeah, and it's sadly um, not that common. So that is progress. And you know, the, I think the fact that even the fact that Sam is the least interesting character is interesting because it shows that like you know they you know he didn't have to center everything. Yeah. You know? It would have been um, nice if, you know, like season, maybe season three and four, like he faded a little bit more into the background and we highlighted a new um, character with autism, maybe from the support yeah. group, and it became more their story. 
that would have been yeah that would be great or at least elevated them to a co-star role or maybe have an an autistic roommate with zahid and sam you know yeah yeah exactly or their neighbor is one of the people from support group or something yeah yeah but by the way can we just say the one thing that's also unrealistic is not really how the hell did they afford such a nice apartment working at a tech store at a big box store? I was gonna I was gonna ask you like how much would that cost? <laughs> like and, and we know uh Sam's family isn't that wealthy because uh Casey needs a scholarship to go to her private school. So like Yeah, exactly. How did they afford that? <laughs> you know, I mean it's kinda like with friends, like how the hell do they afford nice apartments in Manhattan? Yeah, yeah, they're college students. They're college students who work at a tech store part-time, you know? (laughs) And on top of that, like, how do they fit that in between, you know, Zahid buying a gram, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I guess that's a common trope in lots of... It's a common trope of, like, every television show. I still don't know how they afford... how, uh, How... Carrie affords a nice apartment (laughs) in New York as a journalist. So, you know. And all of those designer clothes and shoes. Yeah, I don't know. That's always been (laughs) a bugbear. One thing I will say that I didn't like about the last season, which has nothing to do with autism, um, is the cancer diagnosis for Yeah. Like it had this really opportunity for probably to make the audience cry, which usually shows are keen to do. And, but they know, made it a dick joke. But they turned it into a dick joke. Yeah, like, come on. And I get that that's like, I get that Zahid's whole thing is he's a horn dog and I get all that, but like, you know, did they need to do that? It really? Just, like, yeah. And it just, it felt really shallow because I've had a family member go through pretty much very similar to Zahid and, you know, a young person going through cancer diagnosis and treatment. And, you know, when, when that um arc started I was like oh my god I'm gonna cry all this is really bad for me right now it's gonna be hard um and then it was like it's all right like the um doctor's like it's okay you're not you we can completely treat it and you'll you'll be fine and like I don't even think that that's the conversation that would be had it would be like you know we'll treat it now but you know we'll, we'll monitor it like it's not like you're cured yeah. of your cancer um and then it just became a, a laughable thing which could be kind of it's just a little bit disrespectful yeah. to anyone who's gone through that journey. Who's gone through, yeah, testicular cancer or has gone through something like that. Like, you know, you know, it, again, like, it, again, missed opportunity, you know? And there, there could have been a chance to talk about how Zahid needs support as much as Sam needs support. Exactly. Know? I think they touched on that a little bit, but, um, and, you know. But again, they were too afraid. They got cold feet. So. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, let's just make it a party for his, his saying goodbye to his ball. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, um, before we wrap up is um, I think one sort of obvious thing about the first season as to they don't, they didn't have someone with autism sort of guiding them is they used that person first language in the first episode. Yes. And yes. the dad was actually told, Doug was told to stop using um, identity first language, which is very behind. Yeah. Of So how fluent was that language that she got, that Rabia got? Yeah. You know? Like who gave her that advice? They were wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I want. I wonder who. Yeah, clearly not an autistic. Yeah, person, and often, so. you know, there's there's people still aren't aware of that, and you know, I only sort of learnt that about two years ago. And I worked from you know once I graduated, and I was working with people with autism. I was told people with autism. It's not autistic people autistic from people. the very beginning. So that that mind shift I needed to do because that's what people were telling me. Yeah, who in your typical? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, 
yeah, it just highlights the wrong message can be given without that input from the actual community. Do you think that there's anything harmful about the show that could have a lasting impact for neurotypicals yeah. or people with autism? I mean, as I said before, the only thing that I really, you know, I think that the, the, the dating stuff is really just the main thing that like, you know, Sam being addicted to his girlfriend is seen as him being autistic rather than him being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, like I said, I just worry that, like, I worry that the very valid criticism that the neurotypical, the creators of neurotypical listened to. Yeah, yeah. Will chill other creators from, excuse me, from touching autism because they'll take the wrong lesson, which is not that, oh, if you criticize, do something about autism, you'll be criticized. But that if you do bad portrayals of autism, it's going to be criticized. Yeah. But I worry that it's going to be interpreted that way and it's going to disincentivize people. That, 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 that the entertainment industry is going to learn the wrong lesson from it and say, okay, we're just not going to touch autism ever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully things like, um, I haven't seen it, but The Reason I Jump, which is created by people with autism. I, I've read the book. I need to watch the documentary. Ah, so. cool. Yeah. Um, and Crip Camp and everything's going to be okay. People are, are like, these have all kind of come out pretty recently as well. So hopefully people will see those and go, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And the reception was fantastic. Yeah, then. Like yeah. they got good, positive critical reception and good reception from the community. So I hope that that shows entertainers that you can do a great job. And you could do it. You could do it in the right way. And if you have input from the community, that you won't get, you know, your head bitten off. You know. Yeah. Listen to that, directors and producers and writers. I mean, like I said, I think that like the, the thing is, is that autism, like more people, like because the more people, like the CDC showed that, like I think something like one in forty-four people now are, you know, have a autism diagnosis. There are going to be more people who are autistic, and that means that more people, like I get Robbie's impulse that you know, that's a good impulse, which is like, hey, there's you know, we there's a lot of autistic people in the world. We should probably portray them. We should probably, and again, that's why I don't want to prohibit you know non-autistic creators from trying to create an autistic character. But in the same way, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. The, you, you have to do it the right way. And I think that they're, they're, they're naturally, you can't, just like how you can't talk about humanity without including LGBTQ people or black people or women or Latinos or Native Americans or Native people or, or Native people wherever, you know, or Asian American or, or, or Asian people, you know, like you can't talk about, uh, you, you can't talk about the span of humanity without talking about disabled people, including autistic people you're gonna they're gonna need to do eventually they're gonna need to include an autistic person one way or the other and i just hope that they recognize that the frustration with uh with atypical wasn't a frustration at portrayals of autism it was a frustration at bad portrayals of autism and that that doesn't disincentivize you because i want to see more movies with autism in them you know like I'm like I love movies. The reason why I'm on this podcast with you, the reason why I go on podcasts with Sarah Marshall, is because I love movies. I love going to the movies. It's one of the things I miss most about about. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's it's there. There can be better. There can be more. More can be done. More can be done. And I hope that the I hope that the wrong the right lessons are learned. That's what I'm trying to say. A final thought from a cast member, Spencer Hart. 
is I want to continue to advocate for myself and others on the spectrum. Nothing about us without us. And I think that just says it all. That's good. That's good. Shall we kind of go through the criteria for this little shindig I have going on and give it a bit of a score, Um, which we usually do and it's usually chaos. But anyway, Um, so the first thing is lived experience. Would we give it a point for any? And I I kind of want to not give it a point because it started off with none. (laughs) Half, just half a point count? We can do half a point. Okay, 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 yeah, we'll do half a point. Excellent, let's do it. Um, Accuracy? I don't want to give it a point. No, yeah. No, me neither. Good. <laughs> we agree. Um, stereotypes. I don't want to give it a point. I think there's too many stereotypes. Yeah, there's way too many. Yeah, so give it no points. And helpful or harmful? Is it more helpful or harmful? I feel kind of neutral on it. Yeah. I feel like it didn't move the need. I feel like it didn't, it didn't cause, it, aside from creating a chilling effect for future mm. autism projects, I don't feel like it caused any long-term harm like no. Sia's music or Rain Man did. It doesn't end it in institutionalization like Rain Man. It wasn't groundbreaking enough. <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know. How do you score that? Does it, is that nope? I, I guess that's no point. I guess, well, I guess if it's it's borderline, I'd give it a half point. Let's give it a half point, okay? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it didn't score very well. One out of four. It didn't score, it didn't score well, no, no, Which no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, not no. surprised by, but... Um, when you know we when we were thinking about what to what to talk about, I was like, oh, you know, atypical is not too bad. But now, now when you actually look at it, it's like, mm, yeah, no, it's not great. I mean, it's it, you know, again, like looking at other portrayals of autism, it's not the worst. No, but that's not something but, to aspire to. <laughs> but it's not something to aspire to. It's you know, it's the late night bean burrito. Of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. It's not yes. the it's not the least it's not the most terrible thing for you, but it's in Australia you not, would say it's the the kebab from the train station. <laughs> ex- yes, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I, I was mentioning the burrito because Paige, you know, throws that throws that burrito. In the, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to me about Atypical. I had such a good time. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Before we go, is there anything you want to plug or um, anything you're working on at the moment that you'd like the audience to know uh, about? You know, I mean, just the same thing. You know, my book, We're Not Broken, the paperback version is coming out soon. We're working on international versions too. It's available on audiobook uh, uh, also in Australia. So if people want to listen, it's available. it's available on Audible. Um, and yeah, you could just follow me on Twitter. I tweet way too much at Eric M. Garcia. Um, and it, this was fun. I really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate this. This was fun. We connected over Instagram, uh, after I was, after I'd done a few episodes of you wrong about it, you are good. And I'm really happy that we finally got to do this. So yeah. I'm absolutely stoked. I've been excited about this since I reached out to you and you said yes. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. So thank you so much. I've, it's been wonderful. 